1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. On Wednesday evening, April 28, a middle-aged immigrant told me her savings and investments had just crossed a million dollars. People come to America from all over the world for the dream. While homegrown young people, poisoned by our educational system, clamor for Marxism. Just last year in 2020, in the year of the corona, some immigrants from Africa gave this church $100,000 in the month of June. That brother's here tonight. Yet homegrown American young people clamor for Marxism. It's a heartbreak because I know from both the Word of God and from personal experience that all anyone needs to do to get to their desired destination is make the right decisions and take the right actions. There is literally no need to steal from your brother to get a college education or an income or to get health insurance or to get a home or to get any good thing. I said all anyone needs to do to get to their desired destination is to make the right decisions and take the right actions. In recent days, the Lord has been taking me back in time and walking me through changes I made in my own life that impacted my life greatly over the years. There's a King James word we never come across anymore, and it is the word redound, R-E-D-O-U-N-D. And it's found in 2 Corinthians 4.15, picking up in verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. And we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might be that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Redound to the glory of God. Or we could say reverberate out to the glory of God. The Greek word there is parasuo, which means to abound. To, it means abundance. It means to remain. It means to exceed. It means to excel. And it means to increase. The King James Bible translates Parasuo, 17 times is abundance, three times is remain, three times is exceed, two times as increase, and one time here as redound. Now, to me, reading 2 Corinthians 4, 13 to 15, I always had a mental picture of throwing a rock into a pond because when you throw a rock into a pond, the ripples reverberate out across the waters. One small action reverberates out and creates many results. And that's what tonight is about. Let me say it again. One small action reverberates out 
and creates many results, like a shockwave. Small tweaks that we make in our own personal lives reverberate out across the waters of our lives. In other words, small tweaks inevitably lead to big changes. And like anything else in life, there is a positive side and there is a negative side. For example, we can live our whole lives for God, make a small tweak, and quit going to church, and the big changes in our lives will be negative. We can live our whole lives for God, make a small tweak, and quit tithing, and the big changes in our lives will be negative. Or we can live our whole lives for God, make a small tweak, and step out on our wife, and be unfaithful to our wife, and the big changes in our lives will be negative. We all know this. But what I want to talk to you about today is the positive side of parasuo. I want to talk to you today about how we can choose to make positive small changes, positive small tweaks in our lives, and the big changes in our lives will then be positive. I want to talk to you tonight about how we can choose to make positive small tweaks in our lives, and those positive small tweaks will not only cause positive change, but will also reverberate out across the rest of our lives and create big changes from this day to our last day. And hence, my title this evening is Small Tweaks, New Peaks. For example, when we got back from Africa, Larry Lee went out of his way to befriend me. He pastored a church that he pioneered in Rockwall, Texas. And in the course of that relationship and reading his book, the Could You Not Tarry One Hour, in 1985, I changed from praying 10 to 15 minutes a day to praying one hour a day, and I've done so ever since. Now, I'm not telling everyone to pray an hour a day. That is not my intention. My intention is to say that just one small tweak in my personal life has led to continuous new peaks for 36 straight years. Another example, in March of 1988, when we were getting ready to move out of the hotel and into our first facility back up at Interstate 30 in the Northfielder Road exit, the Lord spoke to me and told me that since we were getting ready to move and that that faith goal had come into physical manifestation, he wanted me to walk a minimum of four miles a day each and every day, and I've done so ever since. Now, I'm not telling anyone here tonight to walk a minimum of four miles a day. That is not my intention. My intention is to say that just that small tweak in my personal life has led to me walking 49,000 miles since 1988 and has obviously contributed to my good health all of these years. In other words, just that small tweak in my personal life has led to continuous new peaks for 33 straight years. Another example, a story you've heard a thousand times. In 1989, the Lord spoke to me and told me to save something every seven days, even if it was just $5, both at home and in the ministry. And I've done so ever since. Now, I'm not telling anyone tonight to save something every seven days, even if it's just $5. That is not my intention. My intention is to say that just that small tweak in my personal life has led to my ability to give over $7 million into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
just that small tweak in my personal life has led to my ability to eat where I want and drive what I want and live where I want and vacation where I want with ease and peace of mind. In other words, just that small tweak in my personal life has led to continuous new peaks for 32 straight years. Now, don't get me wrong. I have not followed the leading of the Holy Spirit every time he has spoken to me. Once back in the 1990s, when I was struggling with my weight, the Lord spoke to me and said, son, eat whatever you want, just eat half. Now, on that one, I, I didn't take action. And as you have watched me now for eight months, work and work and work to get my weight back down to where I kept it at Interstate 30, you know that that's an area that I'm working on. In other words, because I didn't make that particular small tweak in my personal life, here I am three decades later. I said three decades later, still struggling with the same old issues, the same old thing, the same old struggle. In other words, in this particular area of my life, I have lived a life of struggle instead of what God intended for me, a life of continuous new peaks. Brothers, I want you to live a blessed life. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And because I love you, I share these truths with you today. Because I love you, I don't want for any of you to struggle with poverty or drugs or alcohol or porn or weight or any negative thing. Because, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Because I love you, I want to see all of you eat where you want and drive what you want and live where you want and vacation where you want. It's just my nature. I want you to be blessed. I don't want to see the people of God struggle. But because of my knowledge of the Word of God and because of my own personal experience in life, I know that to get there, we have to change. Say it out loud. To get there, we have to change. Say it again. To get there, we have to change. To get there, we have to make small tweaks. Why don't we say that out loud? To get there, we have to make small tweaks. In Song of Solomon 2.15, Solomon wrote, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. And that is so true. Here's a recent example. An example on the negative side of the equation. On Wednesday, October 28, 2020, I decided to change my life. And on that day, I was 19.7 pounds over the weight I maintained for years back up at I-30. And, and the, the, the story is terrible. Derek and Christina bought 41 acres outside of Ozark, Missouri, and we went over there to look at it, and the land had been leased to some people that were grazing horses out there. And so, you know, my whole family was surprised. Ever since then, they, they call me the horse whisperer. But, you know, they're, they're looking at this and looking at that, and I just go over there, and, and the horses come to me. It's a thing with the anointing in animals. They always come to me, sometimes the right kind of animals and sometimes the wrong kind of animals. And... Uh, and so these horses came to me, and so I'm talking to them, and I'm petting them, and my family comes by, and they're taking my pictures, and it's all so great until I look at the pictures, and I thought, oh, my God, I didn't know I was that fat. <laughs> you know, just casual pictures, because, you know, normally we pose 
Well, these were just casual pictures. And so I decided to change my life. Well, the math was easy uh, because I picked up weight during the construction of this facility due to stress. Let's say 2004 when we began construction. How much did I have to overeat from the year 2004 to the year 2020 to gain 19.7 pounds? Well, the math is easy because 3,500 calories equals one pound. So from 2004 to 2020, in order to pack on 19.7 pounds, all I had to overeat was 11.8 calories extra a day. That's nuts, you say. Well, it's just math. It wasn't 500 calories a day. It wasn't a million calories a day. It was 11.8 calories a day. So me looking bad and feeling bad wasn't because I had gone nuts and had been eating 5,000 calories a day. No, a thousand times no. It was because I had been overeating just 11.8 calories a day. In other words, and here it is, I had made a small tweak on the negative side of the balance sheet and I therefore experienced a negative result. Let me repeat that. I had made a small tweak because of stress building this building. You know, Christians, we don't drink, we don't chew, we don't go with girls who do. When Christians get under stress, what do they do? We eat. The average American last year gained 41 pounds because of the, the lockdowns and the stress. So I had made a small tweak on the negative side of the balance sheet and I therefore experienced a negative result. So no one decides to go broke. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. People just spend a little too much money every week. People just keep buying everything their little old beady eyes see. No one decides to give a wife a reason to divorce them. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Men just aren't kind enough each and every day. No one decides to become obese. I mean, nobody says, I'm going to get obese. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. They just eat 11.8 too many calories each and every day. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. And what I'm saying this evening is, let's not let that principle work against us in the negative. Let's turn that coin over. Let's learn how to turn that thing around and make that principle work for us in the positive. Now let's talk about small tweaks and one degree changes in life. Say it out loud, one degree changes. Here's a true story. In 1979, a passenger jet carrying 257 people left New Zealand for a sightseeing flight to the Antarctica and back. Unknown to the pilots, however, there was a minor two-degree error in the flight coordinates. This placed the aircraft 28 miles to the east of where the pilots thought they were. As they approached Antarctica, the pilots descended to a lower altitude to give the passengers a better look at the landscape. Although both were experienced pilots, neither had made this particular flight before. They had no way of knowing that the incorrect coordinates had placed them directly in the path of Mount Erebus, an active volcano that rises from the frozen tundra to a height of more than 12,000 feet. 
And sadly, the plane crashed into the side of that volcano, killing everyone on board. It was a tragedy brought on by a minor error, a matter of only two degrees. Experts in air navigation have a rule of thumb known as the one in 60 rule. It states that for every one degree a plane veers off its course, it misses its target destination by one mile for every 60 miles you fly. This means that the further you travel, the further you are from your destination. If you're off course by just one degree after one foot, you'll miss your target by 0.2 inches. Trivial, right? After 100 yards, you'll be off by 5.2 feet. Not huge, but noticeable. After one mile, you'll be off by 92.2 feet. One degree is starting to make a difference. If you veer off course by one degree flying around the equator, you will land almost 500 miles off target. In flying a rocket going to the moon, you'd be off by 4,169 miles, nearly twice the diameter of the moon. Going to the sun, you'd be off course by 1.6 million miles, nearly twice the diameter of the sun. And traveling to the nearest star, you would be off course by 441 billion miles or 120 times the distance from Earth to Pluto, or 4,740 times the distance from Earth to the sun. One degree off, just one degree off. The point here is that small actions accumulated over a very long time make a huge difference. Small actions accumulated over a very long time make a huge difference. Setting and achieving life goals is in many ways like flying a plane. Both involve trying to reach a destination as safely and as quickly as you can. So I'm talking to you today about one degree course corrections. Say it out loud, one degree course corrections. In other words, making small tweaks to reach new peaks. Like the rock thrown into the pond causing ripples all across the lake we spoke of earlier, there is a cumulative effect of small changes that leads to significant outcomes. Or like making just a one-degree course correction in navigation that we spoke of earlier, there is a cumulative effect of small changes that leads to significant outcomes. Now, most of us, you know, we're faith people. Most of us set big goals. But we try to tackle them all at once because we want immediate results. And in inevitably, we end up failing. What we need to do is set big goals, all right, but also constantly strive to improve ourselves by employing small changes to our habits so as to dramatically change our destination over the decades. Let me run this by again because this is the heart of the message. What we need to do is set big goals all right, but also constantly strive to improve ourselves by employing small changes to our habits so as to dramatically change our destination over the decades. When I was at prayer in 1985, and I thought I was praying, but I wasn't praying, I was complaining, and I told the Lord, I said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of not ever having any money. 
I mean, how much money could I have had to pray like that? We had some money in retirement accounts. We had some money in savings. We had some money in a money market account. But the money we could have gotten our hands on to was not worth mentioning. And so the Lord spoke to me and he said, it's a sin to spend more than you consume. And this is 1989. He told me that makes your government the biggest sinner of them all. So no telling what he would say in 2021. So he told me, talk about a one degree course correction. He said, save something every week, even if it's just $5, personally and in the ministry. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. I could have taken LSD and not seen it. There's no way I could have seen that we could be here tonight on all this land and no debt and doing a half million dollar remodel and not even receiving an offering for it and that Sue and I could give seven million dollars into the gospel. A one degree course correction. And if you're hardwired like I am, this doesn't come easy because I think big and I want to do big stuff. And if I can't do big stuff, frankly, I just soon stay home. But I have seen now, this has been percolating in my spirit for a few years. It's just taken me this long to put this message together that it's not really about the big goals as much as it is about changing our habits. And the problem with changing habits is you don't see immediate results. Sir David Brailsford, Sir David Brailsford, former performance director of British Cycling, revolutionized the sport of cycling using the theory of marginal gains. Everybody say it out loud, marginal gains. Brailsford believed that if you make a 1% improvement in a host of tiny areas, the cumulative benefits would be extraordinary. The theory of marginal gains has been credited for vaulting the British cycling team from a mediocre performer to 16 gold medals over two Olympics and seven Tour de France wins in eight years. As this thinking became a culture and a philosophy shared by all the members of Brailsford's team, they kept searching for any and every area where they could make tiny improvements. Their goal was a marginal or 1% gain in every aspect of their training and environment. Individually, each incremental change may have seemed unnecessary or random, but collectively, they helped to create a powerhouse with a level of success that became the envy of the cycling world. It's a lot easier to focus on manageable improvements where you see specific results than to chase big ideas that may lead nowhere. But it's a dedicated focus on improvement in the smallest of tasks that no one wants to spend time on that separates the successful few from others who are often more gifted and talented but never realize their full potential. This Father's Day Guys Night Out message has been percolating in my spirit man for years. And the reason is I've come to see that for many of us, our problem is not that we're not setting goals. That's not our problem. Our problem is not that we're not setting goals. The problem is that we set goals without changing our habits. I said the problem is not that we're not setting goals. The problem is we're setting goals without changing our habits. So let's talk about habits. My 
daughter-in-law uh, told me about a book, Atomic Habits by James Seal, I believe it is. And uh, so there's some good stuff in there. You know, uh, he gets into some good stuff on habits, then it veers off course. But the part on habits is good. A habit is a routine or behavior that is performed regularly and in many cases automatically. So a habit is something that it takes some effort to establish, but once you establish the habit, it happens automatically. Changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound. Everybody say compound. Changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. The quality of our lives often depends on the quality of our habits. Think about 11.8 calories extra a day. But you know as well as I do, in the last 12 months, if the average American has packed on 41 pounds, they have not been eating an extra 11.8 calories a day. So the quality of our lives is often dependent on the quality of our habits. With the same habits, you'll end up with the same results. But with better habits, anything is possible. With the same habits, you'll end up with the same results. But with better habits, anything is possible. It's so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and to underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. Too often we convince ourselves that massive success requires massive action. We put pressure on ourselves to make some earth-shattering improvement that everyone will talk about. Meanwhile, improving by 1% isn't particularly notable. Sometimes it's not even noticeable, but it can be far more meaningful, especially in the, in the long run. The difference a tiny improvement can make over time is astounding. Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. You know, I did a series years ago, and I talked about compounding bad decisions. And the uh, man in the church, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but a man in the church caught me in the cafe after prayer one morning, and he said, he said, you know what you do is, he said, you compound good decisions. See, in the same way a principle can work in the, in the negative, that same principle can work in the positive. Well, we're smart guys, so why don't we see it, recognize it, and make it work for us instead of against us? Everybody here, well, maybe not everybody here, you may be more disciplined than me, but, you know, we get to Thanksgiving, and there's a, this plethora of desserts. You know, there's lemon meringue pie, and there's... there's uh, there's key lime pie from Key West, and there's uh, pumpkin pie, and there's uh, pecan pie. And if you're hardwired like I am, I'm thinking, well, you know what, the H-E-L-L, -L, this day's shot, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to try it all, <laughs> right? But it's different doing that one day versus doing that 365 days. You see how decisions get compounded when decisions get repeated. Decisions get compounded when decisions get repeated. In the same way that money multiplies through compound interest, the effects of your habits multiply as you repeat them. They seem to make little difference on any given day, 
and yet the impact they can deliver over the months and years can be enormous. It's only, look, it's only when we look back two, five, or perhaps ten years later that the value of good habits and the cost of bad ones becomes striking, strikingly apparent. I don't know how long it took for me to realize what had happened to us saving something every seven days. I don't know how long it took, how many years, but it wasn't quick. But there came a point, there came a point, there came a point where I, I told Sue, you know, I need to start paying attention to this because now it's crossed $100,000. But it took years to get to that level. And then we just kept on. You know, we went on vacation. I took everybody on vacation. I paid for everything. Nobody paid for anything. I paid for all of it. And, and Austin seemed a little bit concerned about it. He said, so what are we talking about here, a car? I said, well, yeah. And, uh, but what difference did it make? Because in passive income, we made three or four times that amount while we were on vacation. So... You come to this big picture thing where you say, what difference does it make? But this big result is only possible because of a course correction I made in 1989. For example, just because you save a little money now doesn't make you a millionaire, but it can make you a millionaire over time. We make a few changes, but the results never seem to come quickly, so we slide back into our previous routines. A single decision is easy to dismiss, but when we repeat 1% errors day after day by replicating poor decisions, duplicating tiny mistakes, and rationalizing little excuses, our small choices compound into toxic results. Just like the one in 60 rule used by pilots, a slight change in your daily habits can guide your life to a very different destination. Success is the product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformations. Your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits, and your net worth is a lagging measure of your financial habits. You get what you repeat. Tell your neighbor, you get what you repeat. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you get what you repeat. Time magnifies the margin between success and failure. It's a hallmark of any compounding process. The most powerful outcomes are delayed. This is one of the core reasons why it's so, so hard to build habits that last. People make a few small changes. They fail to see a quick, tangible result, and they decide to stop. When you begin reaching your goals, people will call you an overnight success. The outside world only sees the most dramatic event rather than all the work that preceded it. But you know that it's the work you did a long time ago when it seemed that you weren't making any progress at all that makes the jump to today possible. Change can take years before it happens all at once. It's not until months or years later that we realize the true value of the previous work we have done. All big things come from small beginnings. That's why the Bible says, despise not the day of small things. The seed of every habit is a single tiny decision. But as that decision is repeated, a habit sprouts and grows stronger. 
the only way to actually win is to improve yourself every day. Goals are good for setting direction, but habits are best for making progress. So develop a system of continuous small improvements. Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. Say it out loud. Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. So you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your habits. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your habits. Few things can have more, a more powerful impact on your life than improving your daily habits. We become what we become through our habits, and we achieve what we achieve through our habits. So tonight we're talking about making small changes to guarantee a successful life. In other words, making small tweaks that lead to new peaks. Now, as I begin to move toward wrapping this up, listen to me real closely right here, and it'll change your life. To make these small changes to guarantee a successful life will require a mental toughness on your part. So let's finish up talking about mental toughness and mental strength. Let's talk about mental strength and eight things we need to improve in ourselves and teach our children. Mental strength requires you to pay attention to three things, the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you act. The way you think, the way you feel, and the way you act. Thinking big, feeling good, and acting in faith helps us grow our mental strength. Number one, empower yourself. Stop blaming others. Take responsibility for your actions and learn to take responsibility for results. In other words, be totally 100% counterculture to America today. Stop blaming others. Take responsibility for your actions and learn to take responsibility for results. Talk to yourself and say what you want, not what you don't want. Never demean yourself to yourself or to others. Take responsibility and empower yourself. And teach your children to take responsibility and to empower themselves. Two, adapt to and embrace change. Adapt to and embrace change. If you're forced to change jobs, adapt to and embrace the change. If your children change schools, help them to adapt to and embrace the change. Now, I've never said this before publicly or even privately. Austin's never heard, heard this before in his life. But when our family moved from Detroit to Cincinnati in 1970, I was 14 years old, and I decided to reinvent myself. I lost a bunch of weight that summer by doing manual labor at my father's Ford dealership and by cutting my caloric intake. I talked my father into paying for contact lenses. I bought a blow dryer, and I changed my hairstyle because, you know, my parents were from Tennessee, and all they ever knew was a, a flat top. So when school opened, I joined the cross-country team. In the fall, I joined the wrestling team in the winter, and I joined the track team in the spring. And I went from being the chubby boy with glasses to being the rail-thin jock. How do you think I got Sue Martin? <laughs> now, how I did it, I have no idea, but I adapted to and embraced the change. And I've been doing it my whole life ever since. So adapt to and embrace the change. And teach your children to adapt to and embrace the change. Three, learn how to say no. 
Learn how to say no. Steve Jobs used to say, focus is what you say no to. I've noticed my whole life that when I do favors for people, they are ungrateful. And when I do favors for church people, they badmouth me or leave the church. So learn to say no. Teach your children how and when to say no. No to drugs, no to alcohol, no to losers, and no to time wasters. Teach your children how and when to say no. And you learn how to say no. Don't feel obligated to say yes to anything and everything. Just be polite and say, thank you so much for inviting me, but I have other plans. As I've gotten older, I just say, no, I don't think I want to do that. Why are we so hard? Why are we so hardwired to lie and to make excuses? Just learn to say no and teach your children how and when to say no. Four, own your mistakes. We now live in a culture where we are supposed to feel guilty about things we did not do hundreds of years ago and did not feel guilty about what we did yesterday. It's nuts. It's totally nuts. Every day now is filled with excuses, and COVID has become the catch-all excuse for all customer service everywhere being awful. Don't do it. Own your mistakes. Apologize when called for and ask forgiveness when called for. Own your mistakes and teach your children to own their mistakes. Five, learn to celebrate the success of others. This is one of the greatest secrets of Faith Christian Center, and this is one of the greatest secrets of our building such an integrated church, a church that looks like heaven. With every nation, kindred, tongue, and tribe here every Sunday morning, my God, my God, I am so grateful to God. I pastor a church that looks like heaven. We read testimonies. When someone gets a job, we're genuinely happy for them. When someone gets a new car, we're genuinely happy for them. When someone gets a house, we're genuinely happy for them. Don't harbor resentment in your heart toward the success of others because the Lord will see it and he will be displeased. One of the great evils built into the seed of Adam is jealousy. Don't let there be a jealous bone in your body. Learn to celebrate the success of others and teach your children to celebrate the success of others. Six, act like the person you want to be. Don't act like the person you are. Act like the person you want to be. You are in charge of your behavior. Sometimes Austin will come to me and ask me about someone's behavior. Typically not someone at church, but someone in the ministry. And too often I'll tell them, well, they're just another butthole. Don't be a butthole. Tell your neighbor, don't be a butthole. Tell the guy on the other side, don't be a butthole. The world is filled with buttholes. Don't be that person. Don't be that guy. There's no excuse ever to act like a butthole. Act like the person you want to be and teach your children to act like the person they want to be. Seven, when you fail, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and go again. <coughs> and teach this to your children. <coughs> Pardon me. Never demean your children. Never tell your children what the world might say about them. When Austin was just a little guy, he mixed up his letters. He would call water warty, and instead of saying girl, he'd say grill. But soon I never said about him what the world might say about him. And thank God he never spent one day in public school because they would have labeled him. 
And when he had trouble with this assignment or that assignment, we cut him no special slack. Just Sunday, I got into it a little bit with my family because I played checkers with my grandson over and over and over and over. And I could tell, you know, the women in the, the, that were present, they were, you know, they were thinking, you know, cut the kids some slack. <laughs> and so I just told them, you, you don't get better by people making excuses for you and losing to you on purpose. We just worked with Austin and worked with him and worked with him, and when he failed, we taught him to blow it off and try again. Our culture ruins children by labeling them and then making excuses for their behavior and their failures. When you fail, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and try again. And when your children fail, teach them to pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and try again. And number eight, persist and never give up. The things we were taught in our generation have literally been labeled hate crimes today, but they were true then and they are true now. I can hear our athletic director at Anderson Senior High School every day in my thought life there are only two kinds of people in this life, winners and losers, and you're a winner, not a loser. Or how about this one? Winners never quit, and quitters never win. These sayings were true then, and they're true tonight. If you employ what I talked about at the front of this message and make little one-degree course corrections, it might take a while to notice the difference. It might take a while for you to see how those micro course corrections are helping you to achieve your goals in life. But you will notice if you persist and never give up. So learn to not just measure immediate results, but also measure progress, incremental progress. Learn to break down long-term goals into intermediate-term goals and short-term goals. Persist. Never give in. Never give up and never quit. I've got a photo on my desk upstairs, Lester Summerall, and his sign, I did not quit. Others may quit God, or quit Christ, or quit church, or quit tithing, or quit their wives, or quit their children, or quit whatever. But we are men, and we don't quit. We don't give in. We don't give up. And we do not lose, not long term. We might have a bad week or a bad month or even a bad quarter, but we know the master of the universe, and we know his word, and we have faith in his word, and we know that if we persist, we literally cannot fail. <coughs> Say it out loud. If we persist, we, persist. we literally cannot fail. Again, if we persist, we literally cannot fail. And that's what my grandson was doing to me Sunday. Play again. Play again, Papa. Play again. Play again, Papa. And, and you know, then Sue and Jessica were laughing because he's just convinced that he'll play till he wins. And you know what? He will. Because there'll come a point in time, I'll make my best moves and he'll win. Because these are smart children. I got one of them right now beats me almost every time. Amen. We play till we win. That's what Fred Price taught. So if you're behind a little bit this year, don't quit. 
don't punk out, don't give up, don't throw in the towel. You're not going to get to your destination by quitting, throwing in the towel, or uh, making excuses for yourself. Work when you don't feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. Read your Bible when you don't feel like it. Love your wife when you don't feel like it. Come to church when you don't feel like it. Persist and never give up. And teach your children to persist and never give up. All anyone needs to do to get to their desired destination is to make the right decisions and to take the right actions. So learn to make little incremental changes to your personal habits. Like, like throwing a rock into a pond, the ripples of your little incremental changes will reverberate out across the waters of your life. One small action reverberates out and creates many results. I said one small action reverberates out and creates many results. Like a shockwave, the small tweaks we make in our own personal lives reverberate out across the waters of our lives and create new peaks. In other words, small tweaks lead to new peaks. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. And what I've said tonight is, let's not let that principle work against us in the negative. Instead, let's turn that coin over and let's make that principle work for us in the positive. So learn to make one degree course corrections, practice marginal gains, one degree course corrections, marginal gains. In other words, learn to make small tweaks that will lead to new peaks in your life. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.